Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Get select Ernie Ball strings, three for ten. Save $100 on a Fender Special Edition Strat, or get a Yamaha Acoustic for just $199. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in-store, now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. On today's show, we recap a basketball weekend for your Charlotte Hornets and look ahead to the Indiana Pacers. Plus, David, MKG playing zero minutes in the fourth quarter. What the heck's going on? We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. Yeah! You are locked locked on Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome into Locked On Hornets. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. Doug, it's Monday. It's almost Christmas, buddy. That's right. Yeah, no, I'm getting, I've just got my shopping list. I'm pretty much done now. I got your gift. I'm good with yeah. that. Yeah, I got you a little something. Just a little something. A little something. Okay, okay. I totally have something for you too. Of course, I totally do. Right. It's sitting right beside you. No, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Go to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NFL, NBA, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. And uh, tell your friends about it. Give your friends the gift of week daily local sports podcasting. All right, uh, let's catch up on the Friday-Saturday action that we uh, didn't get to talk about. On Friday, the Hornets get a blowout win against the Orlando Magic, 109-88. They got to rest the starters in the fourth quarter before flying to Cleveland for the second night of a back-to-back. The Cavaliers on the second night of a back-to-back as well, but they had... LeBron James, whose 44-point, 10-assist, 9-rebound performance was just too much to overcome for the Hornets. Uh, They lose that one. David, we'll start with this question. Were you more impressed by the Orlando Magic win or more disappointed with the Cavaliers' loss? Well, I'm not sure you can be disappointed in that Cavs' loss, so I would say I guess I was more... um, excited more more what was the word you, you use more impressed impressed yeah that's a tricky one uh yeah i was i guess you could say more impressed with the orlando win i mean they needed a blowout win like that and i mean more so to the Cavs though i mean lebron was just too much i mean anytime you're playing against him and he's hitting those jumpers he's almost impossible to stop and he was on that night the hornets made a good run at it defending world champs you know they were hitting threes from all over the place i don't see how you can be too disappointed I was disappointed, I guess, in, in just how they started the basketball game. And Steve Clifford talked sure. about that after the game. You know, you you remember the the last time they were uh, that they faced off, and Kevin Love got off to such a great start, and you felt like they would scheme against that a little bit or or find a way to limit him in, in somewhat. But uh, Kevin Love came out again on fire in the first quarter. The man is an expert in first quarter performances this season. And it, it, it just got them off to a bad start that they would have to, you know, they had to rally, rally, rally. And all the while, LeBron was uh, warming the engine for uh, just a fourth quarter performance that 
again, I, I, I struggle as much basketball as I watch David, I struggle sometimes to be impressed, um, to be, to be shocked by a performance. And then I saw this one and again, you know, just hitting three pointer after three pointer, he had the, the turner, the turnaround baseline shot against Marvin Williams. And then, um, the pull up three pointer falling out of bounds towards yeah. the Hornets bench against I Marvin mean, Williams again. And on both all of those, over him. Yeah, and both those plays, uh, yeah, Marvin was, I mean, you're playing as good a defense as you can without punching the man in the face. <laughs> like that, just short of that, that's what he was doing. Um, yeah. and, and LeBron was just still knocking them down. And of course, the physics breaking layup and one that he hit with Marco Bellinelli uh, going along for the ride. It do you was. Think he uh, felt, do you think he felt Marco? No, no. You know what I compared it to? It was like Houdini, like locking himself up and throwing himself in a tank and somehow escaping. Like Marco was the the chains on Houdini, mm-hmm. and he was somehow able to get out of that and make a layup. I mean, it's it's amazing. Uh, and you know, so I, I can't. I'm I'm with you, David. I can't be disappointed with the Cavaliers' loss more so that I was impressed by the Orlando Magic win because. Just going back to that game for a moment, it was a home victory. The Hornets have struggled to get those this season. They didn't fall into the trap game. You know, we've seen the Hornets consistently uh, winning games that they're supposed to win, uh, with the exception of maybe the first, uh, the Knicks game that they lost and what, Minnesota. That was one that they definitely should have won. But for the most part, they've gotten victories that they needed to get. And then just going back to the Cavaliers, you know, they finally faced a team that shot the basketball well. It was a little karmaic. Detroit didn't shoot it well. Orlando did not shoot it well at all. Mm-hmm. And so you, you finally faced a team like that. And I thought they just didn't give up. You know, they did a good job of continuing to play good offense. Kimball Walker, a big part of that. Uh, just getting to the rim at will and finishing incredibly again. Hitting three-pointers, just doing things that we've seen him do time after time this season. But they didn't give up. And I think that's key because you could have – this was a game, especially after that first half, this was a game that the Hornets could have easily given up on and lost by 20. Yeah. And the fact that they didn't, I think, again, you you talk about just sort of storylines that come out after games. This could have easily been – the headline could have been Hornets, you know, third place in the Eastern Conference, but thoroughly outclassed by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Instead, it's really just no headline. You just avoid a headline altogether. No one really paid attention much to this game on a national level, other than LeBron being LeBron. Right, right. Yeah, and that's the takeaway. I mean, he was unstoppable when he needed to be. And I thought I thought Kimball was was step for step with Kyrie in this in this matchup of point guards. I mean, he played really well, and that's what you wanted to see. Marco hit some tough shots. I mean, some really tough shots to keep him in it as well. But I'm with you. I mean, they didn't give up. I mean, this team, if they can fight back into games, they will. We've seen that over time. And it's just hard to get too down on not being able to beat the defending world champs at home when LeBron is going crazy. And they're wearing sweet throwback unis. So, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> and, you know, David, we were – they were sweet. I, I love yeah. those jerseys. Uh, it always reminds me of Mark Price. Uh, former shooting coach of the Charlotte Hornets, now head yeah. coach of the Charlotte 49ers. Uh, that, I will always associate that jersey with with the great Mark Price. But, uh, y- you know, you, when you look back at the Cavaliers, the first Cavaliers loss that they took, that one was really disappointing because they had a huge, le- they're not a huge lead, but they had a lead going mm-hmm. into the 
in the fourth quarter. And then the Cavaliers trot out LeBron James, Channing Frye, and then Jordan McRae, and th- th- really three others that were, were not huge rotational pieces, Richard Jefferson. Uh, and they won that basketball game. The Cavaliers won that basketball game with with that crew out there for the entire fourth quarter. In this game, in contrast, I mean, they played, I mentioned it on Twitter, they were playing like NBA Finals rotations. Like what, uh, LeBron James got 42 plus minutes, Kevin Love played 35, Kyrie Irving played 36. Uh, for the first half, they only played eight players. So, I mean, that that means when that happens, you had uh, some combination of the big three. There were always two of the big three out there against mm-hmm. the Hornets reserves. And the Hornets didn't really change their rotations at all. And again, you, I, I think some people would take issue with that, David, and others would say, look, this is a game in, uh, in, in December. And the Cavaliers obviously took this opportunity to tune up and get their rotations in order. And then, you know, who knows? Their next game, they could very well go back to some other crazy rotation. That's the luxury that is afforded to them because they have the the star talent that they have. Whereas the Hornets, and I said this after the Cleveland Cavaliers, excuse me, after the first loss, the Hornets don't have that luxury. Right. Yeah, no, and LeBron. I mean, there was talk that he he might even sit this game out. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then he comes out and plays forty two minutes. Thanks, and man. Thanks, 70, thanks, LeBron. Seventy percent from the field. I mean, it's just you can't get too down about it. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the Hornets, um, they're 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 just in a different spot, right? I mean, these teams are on two different levels. You see the difference between the Cavs and everyone else after them in the Eastern Conference on games like this. It's just a lot. And they got Shumpert back, who had some big threes uh, towards the end of this game as well. I mean, four for six from three from Shumpert. So, you know, it's if they got that going and LeBron's hitting five of ten, um, it's going to be a tough night in their home building. So, all in all, I mean, were you – did you did you let it creep in that they could come back and win that thing when they cut it, what, to three? Well, cut it to three, and then they had the game uh, – they were down by four with less than two minutes. That's when I mm-hmm. thought – uh, that the Hornets really had an opportunity, and uh, and they just they just let it, you know, they let it slip. But again, the, did they let it slip, or did LeBron James just sort of will will the team to victory? Yeah, I, I think just, it's probably more the latter. Yeah, with two minutes to go, and then you see the final score, right? They just put the pedal to the metal uh, to close that game out. So you can do that when you have LeBron. Well, how about this, David? Uh, Saturday marked three straight games now that Michael Kidd-Gilchrist did not log a single minute in the fourth quarter. All of the starters rested against Orlando, but head coach Steve Clifford opted to go with Marco Bellinelli instead of MKG against Detroit and Cleveland. The Charlotte Observer's Rick Bennell noticed the omission, omission as well and asked Clifford, who said, it's, it's simply offense for defense. I've, I'm resigned to the fact that, uh, you know, we, we're not a team where we're going to finish the same way every night. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just that's the way we're made up. Um, you know, you make the best decisions you can. I don't think it's ideal, but it's also it's not the end of the world. So that's the way we're going to do it for now, and we'll just see how it plays out. And that's head coach Steve Clifford there explaining again, Marco Bellinelli getting uh, the fourth quarter looks over Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Your thoughts, David? I think that's it, Doug. I mean, you look at what Marco's doing, and when he's hot, you can tell when he's really feeling it. And it's just hard to play MKG out there when he's, you know, one of two on the night. Um, and 
just can't create his own offense on those nights, right? I mean, we've talked about his scoring is usually going to come within the flow of the offense or on fast breaks or something like that. And when you need to have some consistent scoring, uh, especially from the outside, the perimeter and jump shots, I, I mean, you just feel a little better having Marco in there, even though you're probably giving it well. You're definitely giving up something on defense, right? Uh, but when you're trying to match shot for shot with someone like the Cavs, then you have to have someone out there that can create or that can create points. And Marco is going to do that a little better than NKG. I mean, that's my thought on it. Yeah, I mean, I think they're – Two different situations in the Detroit game. Neither team were, were really hitting shots, so defense uh, didn't matter as much in that in that instance because you know Detroit couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, so you didn't necessarily need MKG's defense to get stops. And then uh, in the Cleveland game, w- two things were happening. First of all, no one was stopping LeBron James, but yeah. apart from that. Uh, MKG and Frank Kaminsky or or MKG and Marvin Williams, they were constantly switching. And so MKG wasn't really guarding LeBron a lot anyway. So again, you're you're because of that, because LeBron was so in a groove that you really had to switch because if you didn't, if you didn't switch, then then he was going to take advantage of that and make you look silly. So you know, they basically LeBron took Michael Kidd Gilchrist out of the game because of how well he was playing, and then at that point you go, okay, well if MKG is not going to impact this game in the fourth quarter defensively, then we've got to look at offense. And a lot of this, I think, has to do with the fact that Marco has been playing so well. I mean, just in the month of December, mm-hmm. he's averaging twelve points, uh, two point seven rebounds, one assists. Uh, on uh, 55% shooting and 43% shooting from the three-point line. I mean, those are, those are again, numbers reminiscent of his time in San Antonio and certainly above his uh, full-season average. So this December, he has been the gift that keeps on giving for the Charlotte Hornets, and they got to keep going to him. I mean, that's just the, that's the simple fact of the matter. I, I think, that, again, this has less to do with Michael Kidd Gilchrist than it has to do with Marco Bellinelli and the game situations that that the Hornets have faced. And it, yeah. it, it, it does become conspicuous when you go three straight games, or really two straight, Detroit-Cleveland, where Michael Kidd-Gilchrist can't get in the game in the fourth quarter. But it's just, you know, it's just two games where the situation dictated that. Situational, right? And we talked a lot about that in the preseason uh, around the center position. You know, what would Clifford do? giving certain circumstances and i think you're seeing that a little bit with mkg as he mentioned i mean but if you go back and look like the last i don't know the last month or so I mean, he's playing about 29 30 minutes a game pretty consistently unless it's a blowout like the memphis game or the orlando game where no one's playing as much as they usually do he's staying around that 30 minute mark um and but like i said i mean you're just tough you're hard pressed to put him in there when you know you need the points and he's not giving you the leg up on defense, right? I mean, that's his, that's his, you know, that's his strength, obviously. And that's what you're going to him for. So if you needed a little extra scoring punch, you kind of have to get him out of there and look for other options. You got to put the ball in the darn hoop sometimes, David. I think, honestly, I think the same thing would have happened last season. I think you would have still seen, had Michael Kidd Gilchrist been healthy, I think at times you still would have seen Kimba, Lynn, Batum close oh, out yeah. a basketball game. Yeah, that's the same thing you're seeing right now. Yeah, right? I mean, when you when you listen, when you have a close game in the fourth quarter, 
you got to get guys in there who can score. And especially mm-hmm. on a team where you've got Mar- – if Marvin Williams were injured, this would be a whole different story, I think. Because then, you, I mean, you need you do need a defensive organizer. And you do need a defensive stopper who can switch. And so, you know, when you don't have Marvin Williams, you don't have that luxury of, of getting a guy like Marco in there. Um, and Marco – you know, I, I mean, I look back at that Cleveland game. I didn't see him like killing the Hornets on defense. So it, you know, it wasn't. It is offense for defense, but it's not a, a full switch there. So right, and that's and that that worked last year. I mean, they like you said, they didn't have MKG as an option. But I mean, think how many games they did close out with Lynn, Kemba, and Batum out there. You know, and it worked out scoring wise certainly to get some to get some wins. But yeah, I mean, I think you do have to give Marco some credit. I mean, he has played really well. And these shots that he's hitting, you know, just <laughs> fading, literally just sprinting the opposite way, turning and flinging something up at the basket, and they're they're going in. So nice to have that because if I mean, think if they didn't have that, Doug. Think if they didn't have that option. I mean, what would they be doing right now? Just praying that Jeremy Lamb and and Kaminsky can hit from the outside. I guess. Yeah, I mean, creating your own, well, and you know, Frank Kaminsky's not hitting. That's another. Mm-hmm. That's another point. You know, he's not hitting open looks, and so. You know, you're 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 trying to find offensive punch, and uh, Lamb's a little inconsistent. Frank Kaminsky's very inconsistent when it comes to offense, and so when you find a guy in Marco who is getting into a groove, can create his own offense, you got to go to that guy. All right, the Hornets lose this one, but they're 14 and 10 on the season, David, and they're still third place in the Eastern Conference. They yes. are what three and a half games back from the Raptors for second, four games back. From the Cavaliers, they are tied with the Knicks uh, for for that third place spot, and then the Bulls. After that, the Celtics lose again uh, to the Thunder. That was a tough loss for the Celtics. They lost two in a row. They're down to sixth place in the Eastern Conference. Seventh, the Pistons, thirteen and thirteen, and the Hawks trying to. They're on a two game winning streak now. They're clawing their way back into things. They are at twelve and twelve at eighth place in the Eastern Conference. The Hornets back at it again against Indianapolis. Uh, in the, well, in Indianapolis to take on the Indiana Pacers at twelve and twelve as well. They are so the Hawks, Bucks, and Pacers are all at five hundred, competing uh, for that final playoff spot or f- for the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference at least. And the Pacers are coming off a huge comeback victory in Portland on Saturday night. Paul George scored the final fifteen points for the Pacers mm. to get a victory in a game that Portland controlled for more than three quarters quarters and led by 20 at one point. So, David, they're going to be coming into this game with a lot of confidence. The Hornets and Pacers last played on November 7th in Charlotte. The Hornets scored 43 in the first quarter. That's a season high. And won the game 122-100. to 100. That 122 total, that's a season high. Eight players scored in double figures. So, this looks like a very winnable game for the Hornets, but at the same time, the the Pacers again they come off that that victory. They are they're they're feeling good. Yeah, and the Hornets swept the season series with the Pacers last year as well. So they they've been able to play well against this team. I think Paul George is obviously the guy that concerns you. I mean, um, what he do? Uh, let's see here. I mean, he's a superstar, right? So that's why a lot of people like the Pacers as maybe a sneaky team in the East, if there's going to be someone that could sneak up there and challenge him, because he's a superstar. Uh, and he's one of the best two-way players in the league, I think. So that's what you're going to have to look for. That 37 uh, with five of 10 from three-point land uh, against Portland in that comeback. So, 
you know, he can fill it up. But, uh, I mean, you, you do like the way they match up. I mean, the Hornets, of course, do not have Al Jefferson on their side anymore. Uh, he is with the Pacers. Has scored in double figures each of the last three games, Doug, which is interesting because it was a little bit of a bumpy ride for him to start the season. Yeah, he's shooting the ball well, too. 51.4% shooting over that same span. And so you saw him. It was funny. He he really wasn't on track with the, with the Pacers until he did play uh, the Charlotte Hornets uh, several weeks ago. And so right. that game kind of got him back on track a little bit. And then, yeah, going back to Paul George, he he's had a, a little injury issue uh, this season. But when he's played, well, first of all, in the last four games, 20-plus, uh, he's 21.8 points per game overall and seven rebounds, three assists, and two steals. So, as you said, filling up the box score, that's going to be a matchup to watch. Uh, MKG versus Paul George. How often do the Pacers try to to do what the, the Cavs did and, and get MKG off of Paul George using the pick and roll? Uh, that's going to be key. The Pacers haven't been able to get on a winning streak going into this season, though. They've only had uh, two winning streaks of of two games each. So they've been sort of back and forth, win-loss, win-loss, and they get the win over Portland in their last game. So that kind of bodes well for the Charlotte Hornets. A lot of fun matchups in this one, David. I just mentioned Paul George versus MKG. You could go Kimball Walker versus Jeff Teague. Uh, Cody Zeller versus Miles Turner. That could be Zeller normally gets the better of Turner in that matchup. But the most interesting matchups in this one, the one that might turn the game, David, I think will be on the bench because uh, Indiana, they run a smaller bench. They, they, they'll run out Rodney Stuckey, C.J. Miles, who has been red hot from three this season, and Glenn Robinson the third when they get their full bench unit out. That's a small, you know, that's a small you know, two to four lineup there. And uh, Frank Kaminsky was absolutely eaten alive by Richard Jefferson in Cleveland. So he's going to have to have a bounce-back game against Indiana, especially on defense, and he could have a tough matchup with you know, either you know, C.J. Miles or Glenn Robinson III, whoever uh, ends up uh, on his matchup. And then also Al Jefferson versus Roy Hibbert should be fun to watch as well. I think this game might be one on the second unit. Yeah, and something else to keep an eye on, a, a, a place where the Hornets have struggled uh, is from the free throw line, Doug. And the Pacers uh, do not struggle at the free throw line. They shoot it uh, fourth best in the league. So if it comes down to crunch time, and getting some points of the line, I mean, you, you kind of have to like Indiana there. Uh, it's, it's just odd that the Hornets continue to be that futile at the free throw line to me. I mean, it's just bizarre to see that happen. This is not something I expected to see uh, trending going into the season. And we thought we thought they were pulling out of the, the tailspin a little bit. Now, against Orlando, they were 78% from the line, so that's above above their average mm-hmm. not certainly not ideal but above their average and uh, just to give a, a little more on what you said there from for the for Indiana over the last 10 games they're not only they're top 10 in free throw attempts so they get to the line a lot but they also lead the league over the last 10 games in free throw percentage at 84.3 mm-hmm. uh, and then again but against Cleveland yeah they struggled again 17 of 24 from the free throw line 70.8% and let's see, Marvin missed one, Cody missed one, Nick Batum missed one. That's the thing. It's it's guys missing one or two here and there. That's, yeah. you know, it's not, you'll see like, again, teams like Atlanta, where Dwight will go, you know, one of six, or, mm-hmm. 
or the Pistons with Andre Drummond or the Clippers with DeAndre Jordan, where, where they will really drag down the percentages because of one guy. But it's been across the board. I mean, we've seen even Kimball Walker, who is, he missed one against Cleveland, but we've seen him uh, miss a few, miss, miss two, oh, yeah. you know, oh, on, yeah. on, 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 a, on a free throw trip. It is, it is odd. Um, I, I don't, it's, it's tough. I don't really, you know, how, how do you explain it? I mean, I could come up with some <laughs> sort of fancy psychological, well, they're really focusing on this and that's taking away their, fo- I don't know. I just think that, you know, it's something, it's kind of one of those things like defense. So like it's a, it's a want to, it's a focus. It, it, it's, it's that kind of thing and it's not happening. Yeah. And it's, it's mostly, like we said, that's mostly the guys that are remain from last year, you know, I mean, cause Hibbert's a good free throw shooter. Um, Lamb is typically good, but it's some of the other guys. So it's a weird thing to, to see. Not that the game will, you know, live and die on that, but it's something to keep an eye on. All right. So I mentioned before, David, that the Hawks, Bucks, and the Pacers all at 500. Oh, I'm sorry. I should include the Pistons there. I don't know why I didn't. So the Pistons, Hawks, Bucks, and Pacers all sitting at 500, seven through 10 right now in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I'm giving you two to pick here. Which two? Uh, end up in the Eastern Conference playoffs. If if you only get two, I'll, now three, maybe all four could make it. I doubt that's going to happen. But the Pistons, Hawks, Bucks, Pacers. Yeah, we'll, I'm giving you two here. Which two uh, end up above 500 and in the playoffs, and which two? Ugh, sheesh, I'm going to go Bucks and. Oh, 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 oh. oh man, I'm going to say Bucks and Hawks. Why Bucks? You you really you you believe? Yanni, Yanni. I just like uh, I don't know I like their young legs I like I like uh, some of the things they're doing uh, they were they, I guess they've hit a little bit of a skid but I don't know you get you said you said pick two Doug I picked two <laughs> I'm gonna go Hawks <laughs> Pistons I okay. just think you know the Hawks have to eventually figure things out with their starting lineup I think that eventually has to happen. I mean, it talk about inexplicable with the free throw shooting from the Hornets. What's inexplicable is that the Hawks haven't been able to pull things together with their starting unit. You, you add Dwight, and it really hasn't been Dwight's fault. I think I think they really I think they underestimated what what Jeff Teague brought to the team versus Dennis Schroeder, and you know Jeff Teague now playing for the Pacers, who the the Hornets will face off against tonight, but. Uh, I think the Hawks will eventually get it. They're on a two-game winning streak. I think they're trending up. And then the Pistons, they've just, as a team, they've been together too long, in my mind, for them to make a significant drop and get out of the playoffs. Plus, they're getting Reggie Jackson back. Yeah. They're going to start to they're going to start to pull things together. I don't believe in the Bucs. I just don't. I look at that roster still, and I just I don't understand it. I fear things that I don't under. You talk about fear the deer, David. I fear mm-hmm. things that I don't understand. That's why I fear the deer, uh, and I would not put I would not put any of my betdsi.com money on <laughs> <laughs> on the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, we'll come back here for a recap of Hornets Pacers. We'll be watching along tonight. We'll be tweeting along with it on uh, Twitter at Locked On Hornets. So make sure you're following us there. Uh, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter, as I said, at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Questions, thoughts on the Hornets, send them to us. Buzz buzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back tomorrow with that recap plus Locked On Hornets Live tomorrow night at 6 o'clock p.m. 
youtube.com forward slash locked on Hornets. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the Pacers. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on caffeine and then go still coke and Pepsi. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.